Why democracy is dying? The West cannot understand the East's rejection of democracy, even as they flood our nations with their diaspora and grasp the latest capitalist innovation. To our eyes, the East appear hypocrites. The call for haters to leave, if you do not like Western culture, is not born of xenophobia or hate, though the East and its allies want to paint our reaction to their hate in this way. Love it or leave it is the voice of exasperated confusion. How can a people escape their countries to get to the West then, denigrate a culture they risk death to reach? The strongest Americans ought to be migrants. Those who have recently emerged from the East ought to be vehemently American and Western, yet data suggests migrants from the East have no interest in assimilating. This is a growing trend, not seen in previous eras or migration patterns. However, earlier waves of migrants were usually from Europe and shared a common culture and perhaps more importantly, a set of common values. Unfortunately, because of the cultural homogeneity of the West, democracy has been poorly understood by the West. The nature of democracy mattered less when the West was fairly isolated from the predations of the East. If the people of a nation shared a European legacy, the limitations of democracy were not important. But Eastern people are not European. The East does not embrace the history of Europe. In fact, the history of Europe is the history of the East suffering defeat after defeat. Europe and those of European ancestry are the oppressor in Eastern cultures. The East cannot win a war of attrition and destruction overseen by technological progress, but the East can win a war of demographics and political activism. Democracy is a way to overcome Western hegemony in the areas of technology by means of cultural extermination. The idea of cultural expropriation is familiar to us. It means someone in the West using styles and fashions identified with a culture of the East. The East targets the culture of the West for extermination, because it is through eliminating Western culture that the technological advantage of the West can best be neutralized. Democracy is seen by the West as a way for the East to engage with them. For the East, democracy is a way to eliminate the culture of the West. If democracy is the vehicle through which the East exacts its vengeance on the West, why would they embrace it in their own nations? If democracy is seen as a chink in the armor of the West, why would the East adopt democratic institutions? Democracy is the way the East can defeat the West because democracy responds to numbers and activism. The last thing the East wants is democracy. They only use it to enter the political arena. The Huns used the Roman roads on their way to Rome. They were not content to remain an outlier of the Roman state. Nor were they open to permitting Romans to command their armies. India was not content to remain a part of the British Empire, neither was America. Both rebelled and both gained independence. Both nations became democracies. India, as a more Eastern culture, systematically excludes challenges to its culture. America opens its culture to international influences. 
With a few exceptions, the West have shown a willingness to become multicultural and diverse, whereas the East has not. Some Eastern nations are labeled democracies. This is another indicator that the West understands democracy less well than the East. Democracy is a way to whittle down differences and distill them into a representative voice. Voting decides if we shall put on a Shakespeare play or one by Bernhard Shaw. A vote decides if the company managers will convene in Margate or Blackpool. Democracy works less well when deciding if a nation shall operate according to Sharia law or Westminster protocols. But the West cannot imagine this coming up for a vote, the East thinks of little else. What the West knows as does the East is that a democratic win does not require a majority vote. A democratic win only requires the most votes cast. If 20% votes for a policy and this is the highest percentage of the votes cast, then 20% is sufficient for the win. The West does not like to consider this truth, but that is the reality of a democracy. Democracy is not the rule of the people, it is the rule of the group with the most voters. It was known long ago victory can be had by achieving an absolute majority or by suppressing the votes of the opposition. Americans know the manipulation of voting blocks is possible. They are less willing to accept an enemy will do the manipulation. This is not a conspiracy theory. It is not a matter of may do it or could do it, it will be done, it is just a matter of when and by who. A voting block that represents a single issue is more aggressive than blocks divided by a host of major and minor issues. The reason why so many inner cities in the West invariably vote for liberal candidates is that they vote more migration. They are a single-issue voting bloc and liberals are well aware of this. Those who want abortions to be covered by Medicare are highly motivated to vote for the party that offers this benefit. It would take a lot to divide the pro-choice voting bloc. Those who oppose abortion will oppose it on different grounds and to different degrees. They are more likely to have additional concerns. Depending on how the issue of abortion is raised, the opposed group can be divided in enough ways to make the pro-abortion voice the largest voting bloc though a minority group nationally. How often has a party gained more than 50% of the votes cast in an election? When compared to total population, the party in power may represent a minority of the people. Even when the party wins half the vote it means half of the country does not support them. The more parties running the smaller the proportion of the total vote one needs to win an election. Would it not benefit a small voting bloc to promote the establishment of more and more parties to increase the marginal leverage of the individual party? The problem with democracy is its inherent irrationality. Critics of democracy rarely put the problems in a true context. When we think of democracy, we think of deciding what to have on our pizza or which movie to watch. Our family or group of friends take a vote, and the choice may not be our first choice, but it probably is our second or third choice. In other words, 
The cases of democracy we are most familiar with rarely represent what democracy is in the real world. Athens was the birthplace of democracy. It was a homogeneous city governed by a small number of rich men. These men had the inclination and means to sit and debate policy and pay the cost of their choices. The first democracy was as close to a crime family as one is likely to see. The one thing we can be certain of, Athenian politicians were more interested in maintaining power than in social justice. The more diverse the community becomes the less reflective democracy becomes. This is why the gay and later trans movements have been divisive. Small and highly motivated minorities can and do hijack an election and the democratic process. It is easier to side with an angry mob than stand against them. The ease with which a group can influence a single candidate is why voting was made confidential. However, if we run 20 candidates and split the vote the same number of ways, smaller and smaller voting blocks can win elections. When we talk about democracy, we are not talking about ordering pizza or which movie to watch. The West can go from being a homogenous population with over 50% of the electorate voting in the government to a highly diversified population with many different parties, the one elected having only a quarter of the vote. This party may not represent the majority population. An elected government might represent less than 15% of the population and only 22% of the popular vote. This is far from ideal. Some might find it a cause for concern. If the elected party preferred Sharia law over British common law, a civil war would likely be the result. If the voters were only nominally British and composed of many other groups with other priorities and allegiances, the 20% of the voters who supported Sharia law might still be a minority, but it could win sufficient seats to gain a majority number of seats, at which time it could institute whatever changes it desired. Such an event would cause serious and irreversible cultural change. But there are lesser though still serious problems with democracy. The wealthy are always a minority and the richer a person is the smaller the minority he belongs to. The poor are more numerous, and the disparity can be extreme. It is not just that the poor being more numerous are able to outvote the rich, it is if the poor become alienated to the point the policies they vote for are incompatible with the needs of the wealthy. It is possible to arrive at the place where democracy becomes two wolves and a sheep voting on what to have for dinner. There are two major factors to watch for. The multiplication of parties so that fewer and fewer voters are able to create the government and issues that become more and more divisive to the point that the victory of one group over the other creates civil strife. Yet, this is invariably the direction democracy moves. Different agendas want to be represented. Diversity breeds desperation for representation. The more diverse society is the more frantic the elections will become. We in the West need a new paradigm of governance and we need it before it is too late, because the choice has been removed from us.